What is up guys, it is Quinn here back with another video and today I'm going to be looking at the 12 players being drafted in the first round and talking about their potential range of outcomes. So basically going through each player and talking about their realistic ceiling and floor. I feel like if you're spending like elite draft capital on these players, you know, you're picking them in the first round, it's important to kind of understand what their reasonable range of outcomes are. This is going to be important to, you know, maybe point out if a player should be going higher or lower or just kind of point out a potential ceiling or floor that you didn't really, you know, think about for a specific player. So we're going top 12 in terms of ADP using four for four ADP basically takes like a ton of different fantasy platforms and makes consensus rankings. So we're going through the top 12. If you guys are watching and enjoy the video, do me a huge favor, hit the like button and then subscribe to the channel. I'm going to be posting daily fantasy football content, you know, through the rest of the off season and then into the season as well. So let's jump into the top 12, starting it off with the pretty consensus 101. We have Jonathan Taylor. When we're looking at his ceiling, you know, I feel like it's pretty clear he can be the overall RB1. We saw him do it last year. I do think when we're talking about like points per game number, I do think his ceiling is not up there with guys like McCaffrey or even maybe players like Dalvin Cook, you know, some of these players with elite receiving upside. I don't think he's going to be one of those guys because you do have Naheem Hines there, but given his rushing volume, he will be involved as a receiver. This could be a better offense. I think, you know, his ceiling is obviously a high-end RB1 finish. And then looking at his floor, it's probably like a mid-tier RB1. He doesn't have a super solid floor in terms of the receiving department, but we know he's going to see solid volume on the ground. You know, his touchdowns may regress from last year because touchdowns, you know, are a little bit fluky, but still like worst case scenario, he's probably finishing as like the RB6, RB7 in points per game. I don't think I said it at the top of the video, but this is assuming these players are healthy for a full season. You know, obviously it's like the floor is they tear their ACL week one. There's no point in talking about that. So this is assuming a fully healthy season. So JT, realistic range, mid-tier RB1 to the RB1 overall. Then number two here, we have the wide receiver one, Cooper Cup, coming off of just a historic season. When we're looking at ceiling, I feel like this one's also pretty clear. His ceiling is the wide receiver one. He did it last year. He could actually experience some serious regression and still be the fantasy football wide receiver one. And then if we're talking about floor, I feel like maybe like a top five guy, top six, like as a realistic floor, I just can't see him not being an elite wide receiver one option. We saw him in that role with Matthew Stafford at quarterback. They just have another year of experience. It's going to be basically the same offense. He is clearly in his prime. So I feel like we're looking at like wide receiver one to a mid-tier wide receiver one kind of range here. At number three, we have Christian McCaffrey. I think when we're looking at his ceiling, he is the highest ceiling of any running back in the NFL, probably any fantasy player like overall. This man can legitimately average 30 PPR points per game in a season. So that is the clear ceiling here. Insane receiving upside. And when we're looking at floor, right, like I feel like the concern people have with McCaffrey is the health. We're assuming a full 17 game season with these rankings. So the floor, like I really cannot see a healthy Christian McCaffrey finishing outside the top three running backs. It's kind of crazy to say that, but the man is just locked in for so much receiving volume. He doesn't even have to put up insane touchdown numbers to like be an elite, you know, RB1. So maybe I'll put his floor at like RB4, RB5, but it honestly feels like I'm stretching it. Like if he is healthy, I think he's almost a lock to be like a top three fantasy running back, assuming he's not like grinding through an injury on a snap count. Like 100% Christian McCaffrey 
is an elite locked in RB1. Now we move over here to Austin Eckler, and I'm a little bit lower on Eckler than consensus, so people may not love this range of outcomes here. For Eckler, I feel like when we're looking at his ceiling, it's probably like, you know, it's an elite RB1. You know, it may be on an insane season. He could be the number one overall RB1. I don't know if it's going to happen, you know, especially realistically. The man scored 20 touchdowns last year. It was a pretty solid overall season. He was super efficient, and he still didn't really reach that RB1 number. Also in a year where the, you know, number one performer was pretty low in terms of points per game compared to last season's. So we're probably looking at like a ceiling of RB3, RB4. When we're looking at floor, I'm not saying this is super likely, but I feel like his floor is probably a back-end RB1. I don't think, you know, if he's healthy, he is as safe as JT or McCaffrey. And my reasoning is that I think he could lose some early down work and potentially red zone opportunities. Eckler is not a massive back. He's not your prototypical three down, you know, workhorse running back. They drafted Isaiah Spiller. He's received decent reports out of camp. He's basically been the only other running back besides Eckler who's been working in with the number ones. So if, you know, Isaiah Spiller can kind of come in, start to take some early down work, the touchdown opportunities, if that touchdown number is going from 20 to maybe 11, 12, which is still a decent touchdown number, that's a big fall off. And I could just see him getting a little bit unlucky in touchdowns and finishing more as like a back-end RB1, but he's still a super strong, you know, first-round pick here. At number five, we have Justin Jefferson. The ceiling here is the overall wide receiver one. I feel like he is right behind Cup in terms of like if you were going to put odds on it. I think Justin Jefferson is going to go absolutely nuclear this season. He's had two amazing, you know, seasons to start off his career. He's going into year three. This could even be a more pass-heavy attack in 2022. New head coach coming in. I really just love all of this for Justin Jefferson. And when we're looking at his floor, kind of like Cooper Cup, I can't really see him falling lower than like a mid-tier wide receiver one. That would come in, you know, if he gets unlucky with touchdowns, you know, stuff like that. But with a healthy Justin Jefferson, you know, the elite alpha wide receiver on this Vikings offense, I can't see him finishing as like a back-end wide receiver one. So I'm going number one wide receiver is the ceiling. Then the floor, maybe RB6, RB7, somewhere in that range. We move over here to Derrick Henry. Looking at his ceiling, the man averaged the most points per game last year. So people may think he has like RB1 potential. I'm going to push back on that a little bit just because he was averaging that like 24 points per game number on just wildly unsustainable volume. I mean, this man was just being force fed the ball. And I know I talked about assuming like a full healthy 17 game season, but there's just no way you give Derrick Henry the workload he had last year and expect him to stay healthy for 17 games. But if we are getting a full healthy season out of Derrick Henry, it's not going to be on the workload we saw last year. So if we're lowering that workload, we're obviously going to be lowering, you know, his elite point per game number. I don't know if he has RB1 overall in his range of outcomes, especially in like PPR, half point PPR scoring. I do think he could be RB3, RB4. I feel like that's a realistic ceiling for Derrick Henry. And then his floor, like I feel like the risk here is the injury risk, you know, lower in efficiency. But so if we're assuming a healthy season, I guess it's probably like RB10. We just know the man is going to be locked into such a huge workload and he's going to get in the end zone. Maybe that floor is even a little bit too low. I mean, maybe like RB8, whatever, like assuming health, there's very few ways I see Derrick Henry kind of busting at this price. So I feel like, you know, he has a pretty safe range of outcomes if he is able to stay healthy. Number seven, we have Jamar Chase. 
the wide receiver three off the board here. For Jamar Chase, I feel like his ceiling is up there with Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson. All three of these players are elite talents. So for his ceiling, I'm going wide receiver one paired with Joe Burrow going into his second season after a historic rookie year. This offensive line is much improved. I think they could be more pass heavy as an offense. So everything is looking good for Jamar Chase. I will say that I do think his floor is a little bit lower than Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson. And I kind of feel that way for a few reasons. The first one is that Jamar Chase was wildly efficient last year, like one of the most efficient wide receivers. He finished as an elite wide receiver one, but he did it without having like insane volume, which is pretty rare. And that really just shows that that efficiency and touchdown production carried him. So obviously I think like the reasonable argument, good players are going to be efficient. Good players are going to score a lot of touchdowns and it makes sense. It's just that the efficiency is not sustainable. So we're kind of assuming a jump in volume here and then maybe some regression in efficiency with where he's being drafted here as the wide receiver seven. I do think there's a shot where he gets unlucky. Maybe the volume doesn't jump in the way we think it will. And he's more of like a back end wide receiver one. I think another issue that Jamar Chase has that Jefferson and Cup do not is that Jamar Chase has a very legit wide receiver behind him. And that's not to say Allen Robinson and Adam Thielen aren't legit, but I mean, T Higgins is a lot closer to Jamar Chase than Allen Robinson is to Cooper Cup or, you know, Adam Thielen is to Justin Jefferson at this point in their career. So T Higgins is legit. I think there's a chance T Higgins gets the touchdowns this year and maybe Jamar Chase is like a back-end wide receiver one. It may seem like I'm nitpicking here, but I'm still very in on Jamar Chase at this price. And you know, a range of outcomes from a back-end wide receiver one to a high-end wide receiver one, that is pretty freaking solid. Now we're going to move over to the number eight spot, which is Najee Harris. For Najee here, he's actually slowly moving down my ranks. I think when we're looking at ceiling, it's probably pretty similar to what we saw last year with maybe a little bit more efficiency and a little more touchdown upside. So for a ceiling, I'm going to go with like RB4, RB5. When I'm just looking at the Steelers offense, I'm not seeing a route where he like keeps the same volume and puts up huge touchdown numbers and is super efficient. This offense is still not going to be great. The offensive line is very, very bad. And we've heard reports about them limiting his overall, you know, opportunities, touches, so it seems unlikely that all these things come together and like has a perfect storm where he's the RB3, RB2. I think that's possible in the next few years, but I don't know about this season. And then when we're looking at floor, if they are reducing his touches, I think we could see his target number go down. Big Ben was just a dump off machine to Najee Harris. Big Ben is no longer there. You know, like his Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett going to be dumping off as much as Ben Roethlisberger was. I personally do not think so. So I think the floor for Najee Harris would be like a high-end RB2. I think their running back position is very, very stacked this year. So if he has another down year with touchdowns, the efficiency isn't top tier. I wouldn't be surprised if guys going behind him, like Mixon, Swift, Fournette, Saquon, Chubb, players like this, uh, Aaron Jones, I wouldn't be surprised if those players kind of jumped him and he comes in with a decent season, but as like the RB13, RB14. So that's kind of like my realistic range there. Then at number nine, we have Delvin Cook. For me, I'm higher on Delvin Cook than I am on Najee Harris. When we're looking at ceiling, I really think he could be like potentially the RB1. It may sound crazy because he wasn't super hot last year. He just got unlucky with touchdowns. Very, very unlucky. 
If this team is going to go more pass heavy, I think there's a route for Dalvin Cook to be used more as a pass catcher. That's obviously great for his fantasy value. So I'm not going to say overall RB1, just because I think that's kind of, you know, probably very unlikely. But I would say RB2, RB3, RB4, a high-end RB1 finish, and then floor probably like a back-end RB1. If he gets wildly unlucky with touchdowns again, a high-end RB2, but I'm looking more as like a high-end RB1 to a low-end RB1 for Delvin Cook. Then we go back to the wide receiver position with Devontae Adams. This one's interesting here because I am pretty in on Devontae Adams. I feel like his ceiling is a high-end wide receiver one finish. That's what he's done the last few years. We know he's one of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL, arguably the best wide receiver. He does go to a new team here with the Raiders. I think this is a pretty solid situation. You know, this is going to be a high-volume passing attack. Derek Carr is a capable quarterback. So that's why I do think he has that ceiling. I do think we may have to, you know, put his floor as like a high-end wide receiver too. Maybe that's a little low. Maybe we're looking like low-end wide receiver one. But the wide receiver position is very, very talented. So Devontae Adams doesn't have to be a huge bust to finish as like wide receiver 13, wide receiver 14. Maybe he doesn't click super well at first with Derek Carr. Maybe he gets unlucky with touchdowns. You know, maybe they're going to Darren Waller. You know, I feel like there are just a few different routes here where there is some uncertainty. Devontae Adams also is getting older. Obviously, there haven't been signs of him totally slowing down. But if we remember last year, DeAndre Hopkins was a top pick. Kind of saw, you know, some regression there in his overall play. So just some things to think about here. I do think the range of outcomes is pretty wide. I do like Devontae Adams at this price, but I do think we have to acknowledge there is maybe a little bit of risk here. And the floor is probably like a high-end wide receiver two option. Then we go back to the running back position with Joe Mixon. I think the ceiling for Joe Mixon is a mid-tier RB1. I'm not going to get crazy and put him as like a high-end RB1. I think we saw pretty close to his ceiling last year where he got in the end zone a ton, had a ton of rushing volume. The thing that's really holding Mixon back is his receiving work. He hasn't just been unleashed as a pass catcher, so it is possible that happens this year, which could give him high-end RB1 upside. But when we're looking at his usage throughout his career, I just don't think it's something we can expect. You know, what is he going into year five, year six? Like, I don't think we can predict him to all of a sudden be this like top pass catcher, get a ton of volume in the receiving game because we haven't seen it yet. And then looking at his floor, since he doesn't have that receiving kind of baseline, I think he's probably like a floor of a high-end RB2. Kind of like I talked about with Najee Harris, there are a lot of very capable running backs going behind him. The Aaron Jones, the Fournette, the Saquon. Like you just need a few of those guys who have a really solid season, mix in to get a little unlucky in the touchdown department, and then those players are flipped. So I'm looking mid-tier RB1 to high-end RB2. And then the final player in the first round, we're going with Stephon Diggs. I feel like Stephon Diggs seems like a very safe option here. Looking at his ceiling, it's probably like a wide receiver three, wide receiver four. I don't know at this point in his career if he's going to put up like an insane 22, 23 point per game season. It's maybe possible, but just seems very, very rare. So I'm looking at like a mid to high end wide receiver one ceiling. And then the floor, basically what we saw last year, I believe he was a low end wide receiver one. Maybe we see that kind of year again, which could put him as like a high end wide receiver two. So I feel like a pretty similar range to Devontae Adams. So those are the top 12 players, basically first round ADP, what I think about their ceiling and floor. 
Let me know what you guys think down below in the comment section. I'll make sure to get back to every single person who comments. Thank you for stopping by, sticking throughout the entire video. I'm going to be putting out the second round tomorrow, so stay tuned for that, and I'll see you guys in the next one.